Oh, hello, welcome, podcast. That's enough of that. Welcome back to the Silver Screen podcast, uh, where I am your host, uh, Mike Wilson. I'm joined by my usual co-host, DK. Hello. <laughs> he, he he cannot condone my nonsense. But, uh, <laughs> literally see a face palm through the screen <laughs> give me some dignity but anyway if uh, if you hadn't guessed from my complete insanity and what's on screen this will be a review of the film et or et the extraterrestrial to give it its full geeky title um this isn't going to be a full review like you're used to if you follow our sister podcast the hit or miss star trek podcast you know that we have started doing mini reviews of things that are kind of just a i guess a, a brief reaction and, and opinions and straight from the cinema responses um because i have been sort of to see these older films at the cinema for the first time. Uh, previously, you can find on that other channel our mini review of Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, you will be able to catch Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan in a few days. Uh, but I also saw, at the same time as Wrath of Khan, E.T. Uh, on the big screen for the first time at the uh, Cine World Cinema that's relatively close to me. So I wanted to get some thoughts down about my experience, uh, some general thoughts on E.T. Um, not, as I said, not too in-depth like a regular podcast. Hopefully it won't be more than 45 to 55 minutes or so. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully we can always come back and review E.T. properly with a guest at another time. But uh, yeah, DK is here with me to talk about my experience and just generally about ET, uh, as I said. So, um, DK, I'll open with the world's stupidest question: Have you seen ET? <laughs> <laughs> I I have, although I did come to it quite late. Uh, I remember a bunch mm. of kids in the playground. Yeah, that's how old I am. Uh, raving mm. about it, and. Uh, yeah, it kind of passed me by for a little while. I didn't think it was going to be my type of movie. It seemed overly sentimental. Mm. Uh, I saw it, uh, I think it was at least a decade after its general release that I saw it. So I've, I've obviously, unlike you, I've never seen it in the cinema. Uh, ah. Yeah, really enjoyed that it, though. Okay, uh, fair enough. Yeah, similarly, I don't really have as personal a connection to this film as I, I think, well, I know a lot of people do. Um, I didn't see it as a youth either um which i think would have probably meant a lot more to me if i had uh i was i think 14 when i first saw the movie uh which is daft because it had been out a long time it is like wrath of khan from the same year as i was born so like me this film is 40 years old <laughs> uh, which is the reason for its re-release that and it was getting um, a re-release in imax for the first time i didn't see it in imax because we don't have an imax screen uh, near us uh, well, not that near anyway. Um, so I just saw it on a regular cinema screen. Um, and I'll be honest, unlike the Star Trek films, I'm not really as au fait with the differences in the various versions and, and cleanups and restorations of E.T. So I can't necessarily get into telling you which version. I believe it's the most recent version, which I know had a few things done to it. Not the terrible version where they replaced guns with walkie-talkies that everybody hated, but the kind of cleanup and... Uh, restoration that was i think for the 35th anniversary not long ago um but like i said i'm not familiar enough with the movie to know everything in fact it was in a lot of ways this was very very like me seeing this film for the first time because it's one of those things where i know i've seen it all the way through but it's probably been 
well over a decade since I last saw it. And the first couple of times I saw it, I think it was just like on TV while I was not all that interested, you know, when you're at that age, when I was like preparing food or doing something or playing with something or other or whatnot. So it was on and I was watching it, but I wasn't really, which is criminal. I wasn't really engrossed in the way that I'm sure uh, Mr. Spielberg would have preferred. Um, so that might uh, explain some things, but uh yeah, so you definitely haven't seen this at the cinema then, DK. You've only seen it on, I presume, home uh, video or Blu-ray or whatnot. It's, uh, I think the first time I saw it was actually on DVD. That's how long it took me to get around wow. to seeing it. So, yeah. Wow. It's, I will say this, though. My mother is quite obsessed with this. She uh, okay. she loves the little guy. This house <laughs> is full of various E.T. toys. In fact, I think I believe one Christmas I got her an E.T. Furby. And wow. she still has okay. it. When it comes to E.T., then, uh, just in general, what are your thoughts on the movie? Like, can you remember what you felt or what you thought the first time you saw it? I think I sat there, res you know, resolved to be unimpressed, but it kind mm. of chipped away at my exterior anyway. Mm. It, it, it does have that emotional connection. I mean, it did take me a while to come around to it, but when I did see it, uh, you know, as as we've talked about previously, you can have a connection, uh, an emotional connection to movies, especially if you've grown up mm. with it. I was determined that I wasn't, not that I wasn't going to like it because it's Spielberg and you can never really go wrong with Spielberg. But uh, yeah, I didn't think I was going to be that impressed by it. But I'll, uh, I'll be honest, there were some scenes later on when... Uh, yeah, it did bring a lump to my throat. So yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, I think I think the spectacle of the the ship towards mm. the end it touches more of a car to me because when it comes to Spielberg, one of my favourite movies is Close Encounters. So it harkens mm. back to that. Yeah, uh, definitely. But uh, yeah, the the whole thing kind of came and went for me. But yeah, I appreciate it as a piece of cinema, and you can't help but love the little guy, really. <laughs> well, yeah, um, th there's lots to love in the film. Just let me start by saying that. And I recognize it as a fantastic piece of work. I get that it's like one of the greatest films of all time. That It's got all those plaudits. And there are people that would have this as their favorite movie because it has connected with them. But there's just a layer of removal for me that I just can't get past. And it bugs me because I want to. I really want to come out of this... I, I wanted to come out of this, I should say, last night thinking, that's a five-star movie. Why have I not watched that more? Why do I not appreciate it? And it's just, I I, I feel like I'm like like Elliot at the end of the movie. I just feel like I don't, I don't feel know what to feel and I just don't feel much of anything at this point. Like I, I feel removed, like I'm a, a detached bystander watching these things. And like, yes, I, I get that's sad and I would understand people being sad just doesn't hit me for some reason and i don't know why at what, um at what age do you think you first saw it I, as i said earlier i was 14 when i first saw it um so i was i was not a kid and it's clear this isn't a criticism but it's clear that this is a movie that i think was designed for children and to hit yeah. you at that age when you're young and impressionable and it'll, it'll matter more to you, I think, in that way. Uh, there's a reason that the focus character in the movie is Elliot. I think if you are a young kid, it's going to mean a lot more, as emphasized by the fact that, annoyingly, 
Um, there was 15 full minutes of toy adverts that played before the screening of the film, which bugged <laughs> me no end. Because I was, I never really used to think of it as a kids' film because, like I said, I think part of our brains are always taught that like kids' stuff is ridiculous and it's it's not serious enough not to be taken as as art and that's ridiculous. That's that's a nonsense anyway. But it was yeah. only after I kind of when I was watching these ads, I was like, this is definitely very focused and targeted at children. And there were a couple of kids in the showing, and then the sort of um, certificate thing came on to show the film was starting. And it was then that I realized it's a U certificate. And I was like, dang, you'd never get U certificate films anymore. Everything is at least a PG. So yeah. clearly this wanted to sort of aim squarely at kids. And I get it. And I understand all of the central themes and everything and the way that it resonates because it is about, you know, uh, children of divorce who miss their dad and who want to fill that void. And, you know, E.T. is based on Spielberg's imaginary friend from when his parents were getting divorced and, Again, I understand all that, and these are things that should be incredibly relatable to me. And I appreciate the film do sort of reinforcing those themes and making them a point. But for whatever reason, they just don't hit the feels with me, the emotional core. Um, and I think part of that is just like I said, that I, when I first watched it, my parents were already divorced. I was just about to hit being a teenager, so I wasn't really about kids' stuff. Although saying that, I can remember that the first time I watched it, um, before I go any further, I will say spoilers. So if you haven't seen this film, <laughs> I, I will be getting into it. But yeah, I do remember the first time I watched it being devastated at the ending when E.T. dies and really being emotional about it the first time around. But the weird thing is that I just didn't feel anything <laughs> since when that happens, which is weird because as we touched on in our Wrath of Khan review uh, that will be coming out in a few days, like there are things in that film that I've seen a hundred times that still get me choked and emotional and yet... For whatever reason, I don't know why I'm just numb to the end of this film after the first time when I'm just like, well, I know it's coming and it doesn't affect me anymore. I can appreciate these are great performances. Everybody's absolutely giving it their all and it's a very emotional moment. But it's like I said, it's just like I'm, I'm a layer removed. I'm watching through the window at people I don't know. And I'm like, well, great. It's, okay. <laughs> it still it still gives me that emotional impact. Obviously, not as much as something like Rathacan, because it, as you say, we it didn't touch us on that level, and I think mm. that's partly our fault. Maybe we handicapped ourselves when it came to the movie. Yeah, I think putting a lot of expectations on it, I think, doesn't help. But I also think this is going to sound potentially silly, but bear with me. I do think that every generation has a Spielberg film that means the absolute world to them. Um, whether it's Jaws for a lot of much older people or E.T. for slightly younger people than that, or in my case, it's Jurassic Park, which I will not hear a word said against and which gets me emotional as heck every time I watch it and which I can't, I can't not just feel an incredible affection towards as the film that made me love movies and that wowed me and everything that I see in that film is magical. But another person might watch that film and think... What, what what the dinosaurs i don't care yeah i get yeah. it's good but meh you know <laughs> but um, and i'd be i'd be devastated so i feel bad for people that where this is their sort of their film that did that because i know those people exist and it's understandable i can see why it would connect with people and i'm certainly not saying it's a bad film at all um i just really wish i liked it more a little bit more than i even did um but i will i will sort of get into a lot of things that are there to praise as well 
um, because like I said, this is not, we'll give our scores at the end, but this is not by any means a bad film. It's definitely not middle of the road or anything. But like I said, I really wanted to come out thinking that's five stars. It really is one of the greatest films ever made. And it just doesn't quite hit that note for me. Um, so, yeah. When was the last time you did see the movie, by the way? Uh, maybe three, four years ago, I think. Hmm. I mean, I can't I can't say for sure because, as you know, my memory is patchy at the best of times. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah, it's I, I, it's going to be at least three and four. It was, it was definitely prior to the pandemic. Uh, hmm. So... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say three, four, maybe five even. Right. Fair enough. Um, so it's not super fresh in your mind, but do you do you remember still feeling the same way when you saw it? In in what respect? In the sense like I, I couldn't, it couldn't connect with it. Uh, no, I, I, I do appreciate it now. In fact, I, I appreciate it now a lot more than I did when I was younger, because, hmm. you know, as you were saying, when if you watch it as a teenager, it probably doesn't quite connect. And, yes, it doesn't have that attachment. And you were saying earlier that, you know, every generation has its Spielberg film. And I think, for me, it were things like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Close Encounters. Close Encounters, yeah. Yeah, I was a bit after Jaws, but it was before, you know, obviously before E.T., before and definitely before Jurassic Park. I'm, you know, as old as the goddamn dinosaurs. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it it didn't have that it didn't have that connection. When I watch it now, I it's hard to place. I mean, as a Spielberg movie, he, he I've not seen all of his movies. I'll be honest, but every single Spielberg movie that I've seen, I think with a notable one or two exceptions, I've loved. You can't fault the guys the guy's talent, and this is mm -hmm. one of his biggest hits. Yeah, there is a slight disconnect there. As I say, I think we've handicapped ourselves when it comes to it because we didn't have that emotional attachment that we did. But I, I, I do still pride myself on as much as curmudgeonly, you know, as as I am, <laughs> as anthropic as I am. I, I do consider myself young at heart. Otherwise, I wouldn't be into yeah. the stuff that I'm into. And, oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, I can I can totally get on board with it. And when I'm when I'm in it. I am immersed in the film and you know when when they find him by that uh, is it like a sewage outlet you know I'm devastated yeah, and when they think he's dead and it's yeah it's it's crushing uh it's 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 hard to put into words really that there's just is, something yeah. slightly missing that doesn't touch me in the in the way that something like Close Encounters does. But obviously Close Encounters is a very different film to this other than the you know well, the I mean, aspect. yeah. As is Jurassic um, Park, like I said. But it, it's hard to put it in words. I do like it. I can't I, I I you know I can't honestly say I would give it five stars. But yeah it's up there. It's just, it just doesn't have that ultra connection that I did with the, the movie we were talking about earlier, Ratha Khan. And it, it's probably yeah. because I didn't spend that much time with it as a child. Whereas, you know, yeah. we grew up with Star Trek and it, it's pretty much the be all and end all and things like Star Wars. And as I say, Indiana Jones, and it, it just yeah. didn't touch me in that respect because I wasn't exposed to it. And it's no fault of Spielberg, no, no fault of anybody involved in the production. As I say, I think we've, uh, we've just handicapped ourselves with, the the late stage at yeah. which we introduce, but when I do watch it, yeah, I'm I'm fully I'm fully involved with it. Fair enough. I will get into the positives, I promise. But just yeah, 
Um, just before I do that, it's, it's really weird. This is one of those films that kind of makes me question how I review things and it annoys me because as I was thinking of like all of Spielberg's movies and I was like, you know, his most recent one that I saw was Ready Player One. And I was like, I recognize that that is a way poorer made movie, if that makes sense. It's not as good of a movie. And yet I found it 10 times more enjoyable to sit through. And I would rather chuck on Ready Player One than E.T. just randomly. I mean, and yet I know it's not as good. I'm not under any delusions and I'm not, the audience isn't going to be like blasphemy because I'm, I'm not saying like it's a better movie, but it would be more enjoyable unless you're, I think E.T. is one of those things where unless you're in the right mood, in the right frame of mind, it's just not necessarily going to hit. Um, but anyway, that's, <laughs> we've, we've that's a, a fair point. But it, going back when I said there's one or two notable exceptions where Spielberg films don't quite hit home for me. Unfortunately, Ready Player One's one of them. So you pick the one yeah. that I mean, I I, I kind of much. I, I, don't get me wrong. I love the Easter eggs and things like that in Ready Player One. But yeah. as we were saying about early with the Wrath of Khan, when I read the novel first, I read the novel first for Ready Player One, and the movie's just so different. I just came away mm. thinking, really. So as much as I love the Easter eggs in Ready Player One, for a Spielberg film, I think it's mm -hmm. quite a step down. And I, and yeah. I will say that I, I would much prefer E.T. than that. But, you know, horses for courses, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, that, that, I wasn't wanting to get into a sort of Ready Player One review. But as, as I was thinking, <laughs> as I was thinking, like, how do I review this? Because if I was to say that, like, I recognize it's incredibly well made, but at the same time, there are movies that are, in my opinion, equally well-made that resonate more with me. And that's what did bring to mind Jurassic Park because it's Spielberg. And I was yeah. like, would I say this is on the same level as Jurassic Park? And then I had to say to myself, no, not remotely. But that's probably just for me. There are bound to be people, I'm sure, that oh, would yeah. say, E.T. is so much better than Jurassic Park or, or oh, they're very much on the same level or whatever. Um, but like I said, it's just one of those things where... And again, comparing it to Ready Player One or any, any of those sort of more lightweight, for want of a better word, Spielberg films, that's like saying, you know, I could sit and, you know, read War and Peace or I could grab the Bella and right now I just want to listen, you know, I just want to grab the copy yeah. of Heat magazine that's next to me, but I'm not seeing that it's as good a piece of literature as War and Peace or whatever. I think um, it's very telling is... that you immediately went for Bella. <laughs> I grew up around just a mother and sister and grandmother who would leave these things lying around all the time. So <laughs> I was I expecting you to say like War and Peace or you know a copy of Spider Man. But, but well, but yeah, yeah, yes, but there are some very well written copies of Spider Man. I would never denigrate that in that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway, as promised, I want to get into the stuff that I do really like and I do appreciate if that's okay with you, and hopefully you can chime in with your thoughts on them. Yeah. Um, so the first thing which I kind of made my avatar for a reason is I fully get the what I did get the emotion. I get why the scenes of like AT um, sort of floating the bike with it. I'm making it sound terrible, but using his powers to sort of fly past the moon and the way that's shot and the way it looks and the especially the score in that scene that does get me emotional and I can I can fully understand how that became an iconic image and why that scene hits, both when it first happens and particularly as well at the end of the film when it happens again to evade the kind of pursuing cops and various people. Um, I, I get that and I do, but I will say I do think, 
as I was watching it at the cinema, I was like, wow, John Williams is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here, though, to be fully honest yeah. with you. Not not as much during the first sequence, because I think it's a work of genius, the way that Spielberg framed the flying bike against the moon, which is why it's this image here. But during the second time it happened, perhaps it was because we'd already seen it. But when it happened a second time, I wasn't really overly as into it until that John Williams score kicked in. And I was like, ah, there it is. And I was like, hmm, Spielberg has a lot to thank John Williams for. Oh, when he, he's not the only think... one, as does George Lucas. You know, yeah, <laughs> I do think it's a very much of the era. I mean, when you look at Spielberg's films back then, you can't imagine them without John Williams. I mean, you look at Jaws, you look hmm. at, uh, you know, E.T., you look at Raiders of the Lost Art, you cannot tell me that any other composer no. would have well, Even Jurassic Park. Yeah, completely. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, they go together. It's like Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. Yes. Yeah. Completely. Um, but yeah. So that was the thing I first wanted to praise was that I, if if there's one thing I came away from this cinema screening and definitely thought was five star, it's the John Williams score, which sounded incredible uh, on the proper cinema system as well. Um, it's just that really is magical, and it, it almost, in a way, wouldn't matter what the images were as long as they kind of reinforce this magic. Obviously, you're not going to want you know horrible things on screen or whatever, but as long as it reinforces this magical sort of theme, I really think that the, the it, it was just that good. The music on its own, um, coupled with those images, though, it does make a really cool, fantastic moment, and I fully appreciate that. Um, as I mentioned, I appreciate that Spielberg sticks to his themes, and I fully get what it's about and the way that it is. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's child's perspective from the start and it's children of divorce for a reason. And that is reinforced and it is about this lack of connection or not feeling like you're seen um, a lot of the time, which, again, lots of the film emphasizes. And I fully do get and appreciate that. Um, I'm not denigrating that at all by any means. Um, but I will say there were times when to reinforce that theme, it really bugged me because it hit a level for me of unreality that made me just disconnect from the movie because the adults in the movie were being so stupid and so ignorant that I truly couldn't believe anybody would behave that way. Um, I'm thinking particularly of the scene where um, uh, Gertie is trying to show E.T. to his mum and he's wandering around the house and she's just like turning away at the exact moment every time. And it plays, it, it is funny and it plays funny, but for me, it's a little bit too Keystone Cops and too stupid, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I would love to know if you sort of thought the same thing. You see, I like that. I like the comedic elements. I like that. And I like the, you know, the scene where he's drunk. And Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of comedic scenes that I think really hit well. And people were laughing at the cinema, even at this sort of, you know, 40-year-old movie. But for me, like I said, the, it, the idea that people were that stupid... I think, like, I, I can understand it. I could headcanon it away, I guess, as, like, it's not really literally what's happening. It's just the way the kids would understand it. But, like I said, it just yeah. removed me from the film a bit. See, I don't know. Because I'm in that situation. Um, I mean, I don't have children of my own, but I could fully imagine me being that dumb. Uh, you know, <laughs> because I'm that dumb in, in real life normally. And yeah. I, I, you know, I'm I'm not a great one for for noticing signals uh, from people. Yeah. Or, but yeah, I can, uh, you know, I can miss things more than I would imagine, a, a, you know, any other person can. So I can kind of get That's on fair. board with that. I, I mean, I guess with with a movie like this, 
each person brings their individual experiences. And I yeah. can't speak to the 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 divorced parents angle because my parents mm. are still together, as it were. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very much. And again, I think it it's when you look at our general discussion with regards to the connection to the movie. I think each of us obviously bring our own experiences, and that's why some people will connect this more than others. Yeah, but that's that's another thing that kind of I suppose slightly frustrated me is that as somebody who did uh, grow up as a well not child of divorce I was kind of 11 12 years old when my parents got divorced but I would think it would resonate more with me and there are films that do um Mrs Doubtfire springs to mind as a movie that really means a lot to me because it was there during that time in my life and it's also a fantastic movie um which just emotionally kind of hits that core um but like I said with ET I just feel like it's it's it just doesn't feel like it's realistically portraying it. And but, like I yeah, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, but do you think that could have changed? That could have you could have had a different outlook if your parents had been divorced when you were younger and you saw this movie. Well, that's the thing. I think if I was younger watching it, because like I said, I, I do I, I think the film is deliberately child's point of view, as I've mentioned. There's a reason why the one character is only ever called Keys and you only ever sort of see his keys rattling on him because it's at a child's height level, and that's his defining characteristic because as a kid, that's all you would see. Um, so again, things like that really reinforce that, like, maybe it is Spielberg saying, look, this isn't supposed to be showing you literal reality. It's supposed to be showing you the world the way a kid might see it. Um, yeah. But again, because I'm not a kid, I think that just, it, it gives me one layer of removal away from the film where I'm just like, well, why are people being so stupid? Do you know, like, what? How did these kids hide this alien for days in a house with a supposedly fairly, relatively strict parent, and then the government come, you know, NASA and the, the EPA and whatever else come, and they're the most inept people you've ever seen in your life? And I'm just like, I don't know if I can just, I, I just can't quite get there with it, and I wish I could. Um, like I said, because oh, there's lots to learn. The, 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 the government officials I can fully get on board with if you have, yeah. have to dealt with bureaucracy. Yeah. Well, yeah, you say that, but then why go to the trouble of emphasizing just how severe things are? I mean, to the point of like, um, I love the scene when they get sort of invaded by NASA and they're all in their full kind of helmets and spacesuits, and it's basically like a zombie film. And it's like, wow, this is so atmospheric and cool. But at the same time, if these are the best of NASA and they're being outsmarted by a bunch of like nine year old kids, you've got to be asking yourself some serious questions here. Well, it's <laughs> definitely, you definitely require a suspension of disbelief when, yeah. when you're coming into this. But again, it's, you know, I'm relying on the yeah. MST3K thing. So, <laughs> yes, just relax. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, but no, to go back to some praising of things, I think the performances, I can understand as well why Henry Thomas got a lot of praise. His performance, especially, especially for a child actor, is flawless. I, I couldn't fault that. And that's again, that's why I felt really bad, especially because he got me the closest to feeling like really emotional and breaking down, particularly in those end scenes of, you know, I'll be right here and you're killing him and don't let this happen. And despite all of that it didn't quite do that but even that's the kind of stuff that should hit and it's kind of it did what it was supposed to but even divorced from that the stuff like comedy that he played i think he was really good at which can be really difficult if you don't have the timing or the chops for it but like you kind of alluded to the scenes where he was like startled by the umbrella because et was or he was drunk because et was or he grabbed the girl to kiss her 
um, because E.T. was watching that on the TV. I think those were all played to perfection by an actor who is like probably what over 30 years younger than I am now and acting 10 times better than I ever could. So I was like, I get that is a that is a great thing. And he's not the only one. I mean, that, that again, a lot has been said about it. Drew Barrymore is fantastic in this movie. Of course she is. She's Drew Barrymore. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. everybody's performances are great. Like I said, I, as much as I couldn't connect that much with Dee Wallace when the film was writing her stupidly, I thought there were some great moments of acting from her, particularly the whole... Um, any Anytime she kind of had to break down and get emotional, and particularly the... He doesn't even like Mexico, just out of nowhere, um, when they're going to do the dishes and stuff was really cool. But like I said, there's just a lot of other things that... Um, I do I mean, like didn't... Coyote's character. And I like the scene where he's telling uh, Elliot about how you know how he mm. would have loved to have met him when he was Elliot's age. Yes. That surprised me because I didn't really remember that part all that well. And again, you grow up and when you watch it, I think younger, your point of view is adults bad. And I was like, these people are evil. And I completely didn't register or remember that there was a scene of him actually genuinely meaningfully saying, I'm really glad he met you first. And yeah. I was like, why did I not remember? That's a fantastic line and a very good delivery of it. Um, that's that's so, my yeah. overriding That's my overriding memory of the film, that scene, weirdly enough. Yeah. Oh, wow. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Mine tends to be the more iconic sort of things, but that's the thing is that, like, when it comes to cinema, I want to kind of... Uh, part of me sometimes looks for the clip-out moments, like if you were going to show somebody great scenes from E.T. or that this was an action scene or whatever, what would you show them? And... There's not a lot of it because it's not that kind of movie, um, which isn't to say that I don't love melodrama quite a lot of the time because I do. <laughs> the overall story, I think, was good, but this was the other kind of main point I wanted to make is that I didn't feel like there was enough clarification for things, uh, which I found frustrating because I was... When I went to watch it this time, I was like, I'm going to make a point of watching it and fully concentrating because I'm at the cinema and seeing being engrossed. And I thought that the reasons why a lot of things were vague in my head was just that I wasn't paying enough attention. And this time around, I sort of realized it. No, it just never really explains anything. It just kind of takes it. And by that, I mean things like, why does E.T. have this connection with Elliot? When does that happen? How is he able to just disconnect it when he, quote unquote, dies? How does he come back to life after dying? <laughs> These are all questions that the film's like, it just happens. Shut up. It just happens because. And I'm like, no, I need more than this, you know? Um, yeah. But again, maybe that was me. Maybe maybe you have a reason or there was a reason that I missed or um, I don't know. What about you? Did you, can you understand no. where I'm coming from? Or are you thinking like, no, no I think it explains enough. <laughs> uh, well, again, you, you look at it from a child's point of view and a, a child is more readily acceptable of these things. You don't tend to nitpick as much as as old geeks and things like that. And yeah. so, I, 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 you know, I think I just took it at face value and it's... <sighs> It's not something that I, I've ever looked at movie-wise as essential to the human experience, if you know what I mean. Some movies that you watch and it touches mm. you on a deep personal level. Again, it could be going back to the fact that I didn't connect with it at a young age. But, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just you know, entertainment for me. And as entertainment, mm. I think it worked. And, and without, as you say, I mean, we talked about earlier about... Uh, you know, minor nitpicking scenes on films that we love. It's it's never stuck in my mind long enough. I don't mean this as a disservice to the movie, but it's never stuck in my mind long enough to, for me to kind of really analyse it and pick it apart, if, you, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, whereas I went into this particular viewing 
specifically with more, I think, of a, an analytical mind because I was like, well, I want to have something to say if we're going to do a little mini review, you know, so let's yeah. notice and try. And I've been trying, like I said, since seeing it to to define the undefinable, I think, in places where it's just like, well, why didn't it, you know, feel that good? Because as I'm just, even as I'm talking about it now, I'm like, actually, there's a lot of incredibly good dialogue, some brilliantly staged scenes, um, obviously the score that I love, the performances and things, and uh, even like Spielberg's direction 90% of the time, not even just the iconic shots, but like little things are, are fantastic and really well done. But then the things that stick in my mind are the two times that he uses a really bad crash zoom, which again, some people might be like, oh, it's not bad, it's great. And at times it can be, like when he uses it, the most iconic scene being in Jaws when Jaws, um, yeah. when it's sort of you know, zooming straight in on Brody as he realizes the terror. I think it's used perfectly in Jaws. When he uses it in E.T., it comes off to me as an immature filmmaker who's like, oh, I have this trick that I haven't used yet. And it yeah. just jars. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I, get where, I, get, I get where you're coming from, yeah. Yeah. that's Hopefully that makes sense to people anyway. But, so, you know, all of that said... Again, I appreciate that the movie is is more deep and, and meaningful. Um, it, I will say the two hours completely flew by um, for all that I was, you know, struggling to connect at times. When the film finished, I was like, well, that was not, that did not feel like two hours at all. It just breezed yeah. over. Yeah, the odd thing is that I wouldn't necessarily say I was entertained. I wouldn't use that word, um, but I was invested, I guess, and I was engrossed enough um, to not feel the sort of passage of time and be like, oh, I'd rather be doing anything else. But then again, I'm yeah. not the kind of person that does that with films anyway. I'd like always give them a chance unless they're truly like awful. But you, so yeah, I, I was appreciating the things that I could. And again, I really wish that I had more praise to lavish on it. And I don't want people to come away from this thinking it was a negative review. It is not by any means. I just really, really wish that I had sort of connected with this in the way that some people do. And I would love to hear from people where that is, this is your Jurassic Park, I guess, your one film that got you to love movies and, and it hit you in that way and the way that it made you feel magical. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm actually looking forward to watching it again now um, with kind of these fresher eyes. And as I'm thinking about it and reviewing it, like I said, picking up things like quotes and meaningful moments that meant a lot, I'm appreciating it more. But yeah, I, for me... Can I ask you a question? What's up? Did... did you go and see it because you wanted to see it or you felt more like it was your duty to go and see it? No, I wanted to go and see it hundred percent. And I wanted to see it on the big screen um, because I never had before. So I was, yeah. I, I wanted to see it and I was looking forward to it. But I think, like I said, it was just one of those things where I expected something to click. Cause I was like, it's never clicked with me before. And that's because I've never actually, as much as I, I own the Blu-ray, but I've never actually watched it. So I've never actually went, right. This is my chance to sit down pay attention, focus, experience this the way. And because I'm in a cinema, it's the way the director intended. I've got no distractions. So I can't be like, well, yes, it's on, but I can check my phone or do whatever. Um, and like I said, I was hoping that it would connect a little tiny bit more than it did. But um, having said that, like I said, I appreciate everything that it does do. And I, I get why a lot of people would love it and why it is called one of the best films of all time. But for me, it did just isn't that personal, meaningful effect. Yeah. <laughs> Did you at least find it more impressive? And, and I don't mean that in a spectacle kind of sense. Did it touch you a little more watching it in the theatre rather than just sat at home with the distractions that take place around you? I think so. I think it did. Um, I, that, that's one thing I should have said. And like I said, the 
moments that I felt it were things like, again, not to beat a dead horse, but things like the iconic scene of, you know, passing the moon at night on the flying bike. I think that that always, that again, that's iconic for a reason, so it always affected me anyway. But seeing that on the big screen, I think you really felt the power of it. But like I said, the thing that I came away from with that was the score is doing an awful lot of work here because yeah. I think the, the audio was great in that screening as well. Probably the best of the three things I've seen recently. Um, and so because the score was taking me there, I was like, I could kind of, I mean, I didn't, but I could close my eyes, listen to this, and probably still feel much the same um, without the images. Um, you know, probably not fair to say that unless I'd done it, but like I said, I wouldn't miss part of a movie. That would be unfair. Um, but yeah, that, that's my way of praising the audio more than kind of criticizing the images. But having said that as well, there's things that I probably wouldn't have noticed watching at home, like camera angles and setups and things or, or staging of scenes that aren't necessarily remarkable in any way because they're just like families talking and discussing things or, um, you know, E.T. addressing a kid or whatever. And on the big screen, you can fully appreciate like the way Spielberg is directing this is fantastic. But like I said, unfortunately, it also reinforces when there's a couple of moments that aren't as great because it does expose your flaws as well as it re-emphasizes your strengths i think these are all reasons that that i could probably say why if someone was to say to you list your top 10 spielberg movies et would be in there but it would be toward the the latter part of that list um you know so i think yeah. that's a fair enough assessment i mean looking at it to me as an as an adult uh it is it is it is imbued with uh what I what you would call cinema magic, especially on mm. on scenes, you know, like your in your avatar where they're going past the moon and the mm. the iconic things where you know be good and I'll be right here yes. and get yes, on board yes, this the show. Yeah. Yeah. But it's you always have an instinctive connection to things that you're introduced with when mm. you were younger, and uh, you know I'm, I'm beating that same drum again. But this is why, as adults, when we go back to things, it's usually things that we found fascinating when we were younger. I mean, I'm not sure when you were introduced oh, yeah. to things like Power yeah. Rangers, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the same reason why I still hold a fascination with Transformers and Master yeah. of the Universe and Star Wars oh, and yeah. things like that. We would, I wouldn't say we were deprived, but we didn't have that connection. So it's not something, it doesn't have that same comfort of returning to it as an adult to it and, yeah. and making you giving you that child's perspective again and i think that's where it's that's that disconnect for us yeah. i mean I, as i say i pride myself on being young in heart and i can watch it and i can appreciate it and there are times when my heart's you know it's it's in my chest and there's times where oh, i feel like warmth and i and i love it but it, it's just it doesn't have that connection that i can return to and say yeah. this makes me feel at home um, anyway, so just to finish us off then, um, from your memory, what do you think would be your sort of overriding final thoughts about E.T. and what score would you give it if you had two out of five stars? I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's one of those rare occasions. Obviously, when you're reviewing a film, you, you judge it on, again, your own experiences, but there's, there's always an element of merit to the production, the cast performances. When it comes to the direction and the creativity of the people behind the scenes and the people giving the performances, I can't fault a single one of them. I think when it comes to any problems I have with the movie, 
I can't specifically name any other problem other than just the fact that I didn't connect with it at a young age. So mm. if I was going to give it a score out of five, it would be a four. But that mm. missing star would, as you know, as overdramatic as this sounds, would be down to the missing part of my childhood that it would otherwise relate to. Yeah, it's it's a personal thing, isn't it? I think is, is your point. Yeah. Um, yeah, weirdly enough, I would I would give it exactly the same score, um, which I think is actually slightly lower than like when I previously watched it, even though it was like I said over a decade ago. I think I gave it four and a half because I was like I I really must acknowledge the greatness of this and the fact that it's fantastic, and yet like I said, just like you, I'm kind of like, I can't fault pretty much anything here other than the odd little nitpick that I've said. The direction is great. The acting is fantastic. The, the story, again, that might be where it lets it down a bit because I just didn't feel the clarity of it. And like I said, this world didn't quite grab me and I didn't feel real in the way that even the most ridiculous things can feel real if if it connects with you. So for example, Superman the movie, um, famously, the director of that movie was like, oh, the, the key thing here is verisimilitude. People have to believe you, you know. The tagline yeah. is, you believe a man can fly. And I can I can fully believe that the ridiculous things in that film happened way more than I can believe that, like, E.T.'s mom is a bit ignorant, which is stupid because there's no logical reason to say why that is. And it's not the filmmaker's fault. It's just that I wasn't there for whatever reason. And again, yeah. brilliantly made film. I certainly would not go any lower than four stars ever just for the sheer skill involved in the uh, what, everything that's up there on screen. But, yeah, for me, it's just I wanted to come out saying, yep, this is a five-star movie, and I fully get it. And I came out thinking, I get it, but it's still just a four for me. Um, which, again, yeah. you say just four is still eight out of ten, which is still bloody good. But like I said, I just thought I, I was going to think better of it. So, yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel, but I – even though it's a four, I still kind of feel guilty. And in some respects, I feel like I'm letting the film down and not vice versa. Completely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm trying to, that's more or less what I'm trying to get across here is that like, I'm not seeing the film as at fault in any way. It just doesn't connect with me personally because I can't find that. Thing. Maybe I will one day. Maybe one day I'll watch it and something just clicks and I'm like, I get it. You know, these, these things could happen. I mean, I can, it sounds perhaps, you know, pompous or highfalutin, but I compare, you know, movie watching a lot of times to falling in love. You know, nobody knows whether you're going to find somebody special or you're going to think they're insufferable and you can't predict these things. You can't be like, I'm going to introduce my friend to this girl because he's going to fall madly in love and they introduce you introduce them and he can't stand her. And, you know, it's just yeah. one of those things. And, and then, you know, the same people could have met under different circumstances and, connected um but that's what makes cinema i think magical and great in that way is that you, you know when you do get that connection it's fantastic and it's just I, I i want to feel that way towards this film because i know its reputation and because i know that i can appreciate what's there on a skill and you know practical level but yeah as i said certainly don't come away thinking bad review though because like i said we both gave it four <laughs> you know four stars so even combined it would be four out of five eight out of ten which again not bad at all but like I said, there were, I know for a fact there are going to be people that are like, 8 out of 10, ET is a 10 out of 10 movie all day. Yeah. And, uh, and I wish I wish I felt the way uh, that those people do. But anyway, so <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed this brief review. Sorry if you felt we were being a bit too denigrating. Like I said, I think, I think we've been worse on ourselves than the movie. So hopefully people kind <laughs> of uh, respect and appreciate that fact. 
But uh, if you enjoy this, do let us know. Like, subscribe, follow us. Um, do follow our sister podcast, the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, particularly if you're a Star Trek fan, where, as I said, you can find currently a mini review of Star Trek The Motion Picture and a mini review like this of The Wrath of Khan, uh, which we've talked about a bit here. It will be going up in a few days. And uh, there's going to be lots more coming on that channel uh, every week now until pretty much the end of the year. Uh, but fear not if you're not a Trek fan and you just want to be here for movies. DK, do you want to tell them some of the stuff we have coming up on this channel? Yeah, we've got uh, some more top tens coming up. Not sure if you've uh, checked out our other top tens, the top ten for Marvel, top ten for Disney, and top ten for... Oh, no, it's not Disney. It was a Christmas <laughs> movie. Christmas. Uh, yeah, we've got a top ten for Disney coming up, so be sure to join in for that. We've got a top ten for horror movies, which is coming up on Halloween. So uh, please, you know, join us for that. We've got some uh, some other movies coming up, one of which is kind of a cross-promotion with Hit or Miss. Uh, I'm not going to mention that one yet. That's up to Mike. Uh, I've mm-hmm. got one coming up, which is looking at uh, another 80s movie, uh, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. So, awesome. yeah, we've got quite and, a lot uh, coming up on, uh, on that one. Yeah, we have a double kind of Halloween treat coming your way because we are doing on Halloween itself. We're definitely going to drop the top 10 horror if we can whittle it down to 10 because every one of us that are making that just keep on <laughs> listing great horror films. So that might turn into a top 50. It won't, but you know, it could <laughs> quite easily. Um, but yeah, the week before that, you will uh, hopefully be able to enjoy a crossover between us and the big screen podcast, uh, where myself, DK, and those uh, the two hosts of that podcast, Will and Theo, will all be reviewing The Thing. For scary Halloween terrors. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, lots to look forward to. Buckaroo Banzai, Top Tens, The Thing, and uh, maybe a Trek-related thing coming to this channel as well. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, there will be another mini-review coming. I am going back to the cinema um, to see another movie that I own on Blu-ray. Uh, but this time there is a slight difference because I'm going in about a week's time to see another Spielberg classic, Jaws, only this time in 3D. Woo! That's uh, that's the original Jaws in 3D, not to be confused with Jaws 3D, the third movie, which I would not, you couldn't pay me to see, let alone <laughs> be a cinema to go and see. So yeah, um, I will jump in with a mini review if DK doesn't mind listening to me rambling again about what I felt uh, about that film and what the 3D's like, because I can't wait to not see it. I'm, I'm kind of envious that you're getting to see that, man. Awesome. Well, have a look. You never know. It might be showing in your area. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, uh, awesome. So, DK, did you want to give us a, a, a quick usual sign-off? Okay. This has been the Silver Screen Podcast. And in the words of Arnie, I'll be back. You have been listening to the Silver Screen Podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Behind-the-scenes sections and additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timeless journey. Follow the podcast on Twitter at podcast underscore screen. On Instagram at Silver Screen Podcast. Or look for the Silver Screen Podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen, Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast Production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.